Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly. And I'm your co-host, Jennifer. And unfortunately, Melody can't join us today because she's not feeling very well, but she'll be with us for the next podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to organize your homeschool, because I don't know about y'all, but I've got a lot of stuff laying around. (laughs) But before we get into that, um, Jennifer, what's been going on with you? Uh, We've had a pretty quiet week. My husband's been sick, so we've all been kind of sticking around the house and being lazy, which is nice after a long trip, actually. (laughs) And today we're staying inside and avoiding the cold weather we have. Oh, yeah. I was um, grabbing some books for the podcast and I could hear tink, tink, tink against the window. It's it's rain mixed with a little ice. And that's Mm -hmm. not our normal central Texas winter weather. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) So do you find that um, after you have a trip, you kind of really need a little bit of a vacation to recover from your vacation? I always do. And it even takes, I don't even think we're we're done unpacking yet. That is oh. the longest part of a trip. Unpacking, catching up on the laundry, putting everything away. It's it's a big process that nobody wants to do because the trip's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like to come in full steam ahead and unpack everything, put it away and get you. a load of laundry going. Otherwise, it does just hang around and then I feel yeah. defeated. Yes. Uh, I got in my car for something yesterday and realized there's still stuff in the car from the trip. So we need to work. We need to get better at that. (laughs) It is hard, though, especially when you take such a large group. Yeah. Yeah. Because usually it's just, you know, my husband and me and the dog. And so it's fairly easy to unpack and get stuff going for three people. Um, Yeah. I have a bunch of stuff in my car right now because... um, I had some things I was supposed to drop off at church and then our church decided to go to virtual service for two weeks because of Omicron exploding and so many people at church uh, being sick. Yeah, I think so too. So I have like a bag of backpacks that I'm donating to. um, (laughs) There's a woman in our church that works with foster uh, families. And so um, we have all these backpacks my husband picked up for like a dollar a backpack, brand new. So we're donating those and I have diapers in the car to go to the same place. Yeah. And and just so my car does look like we're going on a trip. (laughs) I feel like that's the life of a homeschooler, too. I I think we could tell a lot about our cars, you know, what's in them every day. Right. You know, tells the whole story of your homeschooling life. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, And yesterday we had my dog had to get groomed. And some people have seen this already probably in our Facebook group, but um, Mm -hmm. it's a 20 minute drive to the place where he gets groomed and a 20 minute drive back. And I thought, oh, it's such a nice day. We'll just go hang out. And I think he's there about two hours. So we, we again, packed up, right? We packed up all the school books. We packed up uh, snacks and drinks and we just hung out. And so, yeah, homeschooling, you can do it anywhere. Uh, It is a learning lifestyle, thank goodness. Uh, But it does create a lot of stuff to organize. So let's talk about organizing your homeschool. When you think about organization, like what do you think about how that relates to different homeschoolers? Well, I definitely think that it's overwhelming when you start homeschooling. There are, you know, you're looking at all the different curriculums. You're trying to figure out how to fit everything into each day. You have all these new school supplies at your house that you didn't have there before. So 
there's organization in every area that you have to take control of right at the beginning of homeschooling. And I think that a lot of that involves what people are already familiar with, you know, using a calendar and using a planner and having a place for things. And I, I think you and I probably can give some great ideas on all of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there are lots of different homeschoolers now. Like I remember when I started homeschooling, most people that I talked with, they had decided to homeschool and it was going to be a thing they were going to do forever, unless some reason stopped them. But we have a lot of people who are homeschooling now for a short time. Maybe they're yes. homeschooling for just this year and they're hoping things will be better next year. The kid can go back to public school or they're homeschooling for a senior in high school, and they will they will be done when that child graduates. So what would you say to the people who are homeschooling for the short period of time about organizing and getting materials? I think those families that are unexpectedly finding themselves homeschooling recently, I would first of all suggest not getting too much stuff, because that can happen so quickly in homeschooling, especially if you're purchasing a lot of curriculum. And I'd say that the first step in keeping it organized is to just stop and not purchase all the curriculum and not have as many supplies as you think you might need. Um, you can really do more of a bare bones type of thing if it's just a temporary situation. I also would stress that if you're planning for your child to go back to school relatively soon, that you need to probably speak with your school and see what records they might want from you afterwards, because that's where your organization will be really important on what records you keep, what actual work you keep or grades you keep and things like that. Or what materials you buy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's a very good point. And, and we did have a podcast, Pandemic Homeschooling for 20. 21, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we, you know, we did a pandemic homeschooling in 2020, because that was very timely. And then we found ourselves needing to talk about it again. And one of the things I said was, if you're going to homeschool anybody in high school, just don't plan to put them back in because it's right. so difficult. Yes. Whereas if you put them in, in elementary and junior high, the schools don't really have as much of a problem. It's more yeah. lenient with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I agree with you for the people who are going to do it for the short term. Uh, don't get shiny object syndrome and, and just buy a bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's it difficult. Can add up I know. It can add up so fast. Listen, yes. I have actually been at a, at a homeschool convention and bought the same book twice. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, you know, you can resell them. So yeah, the on the short termers, um, they also probably don't need to think about setting aside a separate room for schooling. No, I agree. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have a separate room after um, team bajillion years of homeschooling. But but some people do. And some people do. Want do. One. Um, but yeah, I think if you're doing it short term, you can just have a space, you know, your kitchen table or wherever it works for you. And then just make sure you have the supplies they need accessible to them. So it doesn't have to be a great deal of organization if it's just a short term project. Right. And no matter how long you're homeschooling, if you have to waste time looking for stuff, man, that is so difficult. So having a place right. for your stuff and knowing, you know, where it is, that will really alleviate a lot of frustration. So short termers are new homeschoolers, but then we have new homeschoolers who are planning to homeschool. 
What do right. we want to tell those folks? Well, I, I'm super excited for them. <laughs> um, there is a lot of planning and organization they're going to want to do, and it can be overwhelming. But there are plenty of different methods that you can use to help you with that. I think you need to maybe look at it in sections. You need to think about organizing your actual supplies, your curriculum, your papers, your you know actual school supplies. You need to be thinking about organizing your week and your schedule and your daily life at home. And you need to think of that in, in terms of your schooling as well as your home life and making sure you still include time for all of those things too. So getting started, you just need to <laughs> take some baby steps, start with simple things like checklist, to-do list, you know, typical things people use for organizing anything, have a notebook with to-do list and things, and then start working on further organization from there. Yeah, what I usually tell new homeschoolers is um, before you're adding school into the mix, get a good daily routine. So like for me, I like to have certain things that I, I call automated. I mean, they're not automated. I don't have a robot in my house, but, <laughs> you know, things I do that I don't have to think about. Right. So for example, um, I like to do my laundry on say Wednesday and Thursday mm -hmm. because I don't really want to mess with it on the weekend. And I hate the thought of Saturday night going, oh no, we don't even close for church. So, you know, getting some kind of a schedule, having maybe certain meals that you make on a regular basis. I, um, I read a book, Melody and I read a book that we recommended last year by Kendra Adachi. The name of the book eludes me at the moment. Oh, it's The Lazy Genius Way. She recommends that you make a decision once about something. So for example, um, I made a decision a while ago that each day of the week has a certain meal that I'm going to make. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I know Monday's pasta and Tuesday is something Mexican and uh, right. Friday's you right. know, pizza. Right, and it simplifies everything for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, So if you... If you want to add homeschooling to the mix, uh, you know, I think you have to work really hard before that to have a good regular schedule. I think that's a great point because I think when people come into homeschooling, they think in the opposite terms. They think they need to schedule all their schooling and then work all of that other stuff around. But I think it's much more beneficial to the entire family to do what you're saying and schedule your life first, figure out the set things you normally do, and then see from that schedule where the schooling is best. What's the best time of day for you and your child? What's the best time? today for them to be independent? What's the best time today for you to get things done? So yeah, I think that's really important. And homeschooling doesn't take as long as people think it's going no. to, you know, and uh, like for me, because I work for myself from home, uh, a lot of times we do school at a weird time. Like today, right. we haven't really done school except for listen to our composers and some of our other musical pieces. And so, um, oh, my son did his paperwork. He did his, you know, his math paper. He did his penmanship. But when I get done recording the podcast, then we're going to sit down and we'll do the read alouds that I read with him and, and some other activities. So um, we didn't jump up at nine o'clock and start school. That's not really the way our day goes. But for some people, that might be perfect. And you have to have yes. your own, you know, factor in your own daily family rhythms. And I'd also also say for new new people that you need to take time to figure out what what that is once you add schooling to it what you think is going to work at the beginning might not be what fits oh, yeah. for all of you and you might need to make a lot of adjustments along the way and that's okay it's like having a new baby you know every month something's different yes right? yes yeah. absolutely I know that when my kids were younger and and we schooled more traditionally back then um 
we had, you know, a weekly schedule that was like what you were saying. It kind of had our, our things that we always do on it, you know, and that included things like we made sure we went to park days every week. And so those Mm -hmm. kind of things were on it. And then we used that to create our daily schedules where it laid out more of the academics for each child in the house and what they were going to be doing for the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's important just to, to look where those available spaces are and use them as wisely as you can. Right. Um, and if you have that planned out, it is a lot less stressful once, you know, and, and you can always ditch the plan. That's, that's fun, you know, yeah, but yeah, having that plan there, it's helpful. Exactly. Yeah. It's like people are saying, um, well, I, you know, my, my math said I had to, you know, gave my kid five papers, but they already know after two papers. So don't do the other papers. Yes. yes but it's exactly. hard for people uh, when you just get started to feel like that's okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know when I got started, I used a traditional, you know, school planning notebook to lay out what I wanted my kids to be doing. And mm-hmm. a lot of people find that method really helpful in homeschooling, especially at the beginning. So planners are great. Checklists are great. I had for my kids when they were younger, they had a checklist. The, the little ones, it was like a, just, you know, four things on the checklist for the day. They felt accomplished getting it done. And then for the older kids, it was like for the week. So these are the things you need to accomplish for the week. And they could do them whenever they wanted to do. But they had that guideline there for them for the week. It's good to teach kids that organization is helpful, too. Yes. Yeah. And that little pre-planning saves a lot of trouble later yeah. on. Yeah. I've started using my Google Calendar mm-hmm. and I invite my husband to all of our events. He's not going to the stuff. You right. Know, but but that's, so he knows. But yeah. yeah so he knows um, if he's making, if he has to make a doctor appointment or something, right. he can look at the, the calendar and see, okay, well, what days uh, are Holly and Liam going to be out of the house or what's going on, you know? We also do that. We have a shared calendar, too. Yeah. And that's I always say, you know, use the tools of technology at your fingertips, because Mm -hmm. what an amazing time we live in. Right. When we can stick our phone in our pocket and we've got our calendar. All your information right there. All this stuff right there. Yeah. It's it's a really uh, makes planning a lot easier. It does. I think it also allows for much more flexibility because you can literally be at the park and have somebody say, I want to do this tomorrow. And you can look at your phone and go, oh, I can, you know, I can do that or I can rearrange that. So it it is nice having that. Yeah. People don't think about scheduling equaling flexibility, but it really does. It does. It gives you a lot more flexibility. Also for new people that one of the big questions in organizing your homeschool is whether or not you're going to have a dedicated space for homeschooling. Sometimes that is decided by your children and their personalities and what they need for studying and for focus, you know. But Mm -hmm. I would say probably most people who are just starting out homeschooling do decide to have some sort of dedicated space for their homeschooling, not necessarily a whole entire homeschool room, Mm -hmm. but, you know, an area in their home where they homeschool. And then once you choose that area, that allows you to think more clearly on how you need to set up that space for the kids to learn best in that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, we we never had the luxury of a separate space, but I right. do have a place in my hallway that uh, my hallway is wide enough where I have a um, a narrow shelf. And mm-hmm. in my hallway, I put um, I have a big bulletin board that my son helped me to build. And we have a calendar for calendar time and we've right. got maps and globes and all kinds of reference materials. And my kids, uh, when my other five kids, as they got older, I tried to make sure that they had a place in their room they could work, like a desk or um, or they had a place they could go, like they could go and use the desk in my um in my bedroom at the time. 
I have a lot of friends who have created a school room. And then what I yes. see them say is the kids will never they go don't in use and do it. school. <laughs> yeah. So it might just be a storage room. And what you might need is maybe to repurpose a closet. Um, right. And make that be your central, you know, storehouse. Because I and I have a coffee table that has a shelf underneath of it. And I have um, all my piles of books. We do most of our school in the living room because our curriculum has a lot of reading allowed. Right. And then um, when my son has to do um, pencil and paperwork, he just goes and sits at the dining room table or in the kitchen. Again, you don't need to spend a lot of money to get organized. If you have some empty cardboard boxes, you can put a little contact paper on them and a label and organize your materials like that. Like you don't have to spend a lot of money. Speaking of that, so I have a lot of kids. um, And when I when they were younger and we were doing more traditional schooling and I was actually purchasing curriculum and workbooks and things like that. One of the things I did was I wanted to reuse them because I, I didn't want to purchase new things for each of my kids. So I actually would, and some people will find this horrible, but I would take apart the curriculum, like take the books apart completely mm-hmm hole punch them all, put them in binders. And then for anything the kids had to write on, we'd put them in, you know, clear pockets and use dry erase markers and things so that I could just keep reusing the curriculum with all my kids. So it saved me money. I know a lot of people who do that. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It saved me money. It saved me space too, because I wasn't purchasing more things. Um, and I had, and I like this, but it was all kind of uniform. They were all in their own binders with their labels. And I like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I also did that. I used to do a lot of unit studies with all of my kids together. Um, and I would create you know, a binder for each unit study. And I'd, I'd compile information from all over the place and print things and gather things. And then it, it would all get put into a binder that said, you know, birds or whatever the topic was, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was really, it made it easy to use, but it also saved me a lot of money. Yeah. I, I like to buy curriculum from people like you because uh, there was a lady I was buying math, you see curriculum from um, her. She did the same thing. Um, you know, and it was hole punched and it was in a binder yeah. and they just used a clear sheet over it. Right. And so she she sold it to me for like pennies and I was yeah. thrilled. <laughs> and and I don't reuse it because I only have one kid. I'm homeschooling right. now. But um, I know that yeah. people thought I was crazy when I started taking these books apart because they're, they're expensive. <laughs> um, but I, I got the most from the money that way. <laughs> That's right. That's the other thing, too, I would say to new homeschoolers is that. You know, don't feel strange if you think you want to do something like that, um, because that inclination is really smart. And, you know, it's a good way to uh, to manage your materials and your resources, especially if you have a large family and you're planning on homeschooling for the long term. Um, One of the other organizational things that I always run into was not so much organizing, you know, my kids curriculum. But it was organizing all of my office supplies. Yes. You know, because um, you had I had a printer. I still have a printer. And then I had to store my paper and, you know, the tape and those things. And that was totally separate from all the art and craft materials that I had available for my kids. So, um, and again, not every homeschooler can have a dedicated you know, Space. desk or office right. or whatever. So um, it's it's a, an exercise in creativity. I, I use my laundry room to store art supplies. Um, I have these little plastic bins that I scrounged and, and bought cheap and took yeah. off of curbs on the big trash pickup bay. <laughs> I don't know why people get rid of some of the stuff they do. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll raise my hand and say I scrounge my stuff because I'm 
frugal? We use closets usually. Um, my bedroom closet like is a, a larger closet, so I don't have that many clothes. The rest of it's all homeschooling stuff. <laughs> um, but what you were saying about having bins and things, that's an really important tool, I think, for organizing all the, just the stuff you get, the office supplies, the art supplies, all of that, and labeling, labeling your bins. Labeling. Really, really helps with organization, especially Mm -hmm. as the kids are older and can putting the things away themselves. (laughs) We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we get back, we're going to talk about organizational strategies for long-term homeschoolers and non-traditional homeschoolers. We're nearly two weeks into the new year, and maybe you're still trying to figure out how to achieve your resolutions. If you resolve to organize your homeschool materials or to save some money, Transcript Maker can help. Too many papers and records cluttering up your home office? Transcript Maker stores your transcript in the cloud, so you can access it on the go, wherever you go, and streamline your record keeping. You can free up your valuable time by allowing Transcript Maker to calculate GPA for you. Just enter the grades and credits for your student, and the grade point average appears on the transcript like magic. Have you ever signed up for a free trial and they made you put in your payment information? I hate that. So shady. Transcript Maker's 14-day free trial is truly free. No need to enter your payment information, and it cancels itself after two weeks. So you can give it a test drive and see what you think without worrying about a hidden fee somewhere. When you decide to subscribe, use our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps and save 20% off the cost of your subscription. Start your new year off right with Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In this half, we're going to talk about organization for long-term homeschoolers. And Jennifer's got some tidbits to share about organizing for non-traditional homeschoolers that I can't wait to hear about. But first, let's talk about organization issues that long-term homeschoolers face, Jen. Well, I think like we talked about at the beginning, that if you're long-term homeschooling, you need to be checking what your requirements are for your state and particularly on record keeping because record keeping will be more important if you're long-term homeschooling. Each state requires certain things. Some require none like here in Texas. So make sure to check that first and then start working on how you'd like to keep records. Yeah, that's a good point. You can have a file folder for each of your students and and keep um, little examples of what they've done. And and if you do grading, keep their grades. I have, um, even for my youngest students, I like to take and put all the stuff they've done. And we don't do very many papers. We only do uh, math and grammar and um, penmanship right now. So, um, and art, you know, so I take all those things and I put it in a little folder and I write on the spine of it, you know, like first grade in the year. And then I really love going back to look at them. I don't need to keep elementary school records, but I do. Um, And then once my kids get into, uh, say, junior high, I will usually just keep out a few pieces of paperwork from each of the elementary school years, mainly as, Mm -hmm. yeah, and mainly for, you know, a walk down memory lane kind of thing. Right, right. And then I'll I'll just, you know, I'll just hold on to those for a while. I recently looked at my middle son's kindergarten folder, and I was just super (laughs) delighted by his little penmanship (laughs) and all. Um, It's fun for them to see that, too. Well, you know, some of them. <laughs> he he could not care less. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Maybe even... later he will. There was something you just said that I think is important that 
if you're if you're homeschooling or plan to homeschool long term, you need to know that record keeping for your elementary school children is just not it's not required. It's not a necessity. Uh, now, if you live in a state that requires things like, you know, attendance records and things like that, you need to make sure you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as in general, uh, nobody's going to be looking back to see what your child did in kindergarten. Um, they're not going to ask you for their grades from, you know, third grade grades or report card later on in life. Right. So that really, you know, comes becomes more important later on in the end of junior high and definitely through high school. Right. The time uh, when you, you do want to keep super good records, even from kindergarten, is if, say, you and your child's other parent are not married or there there are um, or you have been divorced or some situation like that or if you are say the child is getting social security for some right. reason all of those entities you're going to yes. want to have really super good records absolutely but otherwise you know like you said unless your state requires it if you're in a state like texas you just teach the the subjects you're supposed to um, again, right. knowing what your state's rules are, but it's not real important to have paperwork because even when you, if you decide to put your kid into public school, most public schools are going to disregard and they're going to put the child in yes, based on their age. Test them mm-hmm. or, they, yeah. they may test them or they might, you might say, I have a, an eight-year-old third grader and they're like, cool, we'll put them in third grade and see how they do. But high school, it's another uh, entity entirely. So how, how did you keep records for your high school? Well, um, I was fortunate that I found Transcript Maker when my I was <laughs> when my uh, my oldest son was in high school. I found Transcript Maker, which was called T Script back then, mm-hmm. and I couldn't give them my money fast enough. Um, and so I did actually keep things in a binder. Um, you know, yes. I kept their tests. I used some curriculum when my kids got into high school. I used some curriculum that had tests where they had to like fill in a bubble and some other things because right. I did want my kids to take the SAT or the ACT and I had my kids mm-hmm. take a rigorous course of instruction. So I wanted them to know how to do standardized tests and I used some materials like that. So I had papers that, um, right. and, and I kept a teacher notebook. I, I have a teacher planner now. I, I love them. They make me happy. <laughs> and so I had them, I had paper and then I, I would transfer things into the transcript maker template on a regular basis so that um, I just kept a constant subscription because that worked best for me. So, yeah, yeah I, I like, you know, paper and um, digital organizational methods. Yeah. What about you? Well, we're more non-traditional school schooling, you know, here, but. I also use Transcript Maker. I didn't use it more, you know, ongoing the way you did, uh, but I used it when I needed to actually give some documentation. I used it to organize my thoughts, and uh, you know, we would sit down and discuss it and put things in that we we thought that the kids did, or not thought, but knew that the kids <laughs> did. Uh, um, uh, so that was a great tool for me. But I know that there's a lot of online planning programs. I, I'm not personally familiar with them since we weren't doing that type of schooling Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of record keeping programs online or some people just keep a notebook or a planning folder and use that Mm -hmm. or you know 
Google Docs or something like that, where it can just be an ongoing record. And definitely keeping portfolios for each of your children. And some states even require portfolios. Mm-hmm. Uh, some colleges ask for work portfolios of work later portfolios on. Portfolios are becoming more common. And it's really funny because um, I started homeschooling in 1993, which is, I can't hardly believe it's almost 30 years ago I've been homeschooling. <laughs> um, I should get to retire with a pension, but here we go. <laughs> But anyway, um, so at the beginning, people would homeschoolers would do portfolios. And then that kind of fell out of favor for a while. And now uh, portfolios are being used by public schools, private schools and homeschools. I think it's great. It gives a more rounded picture of a student. Well, a cool thing is, is you can have an online portfolio. So if they are uh, in the performing arts, then the people, um, you know, can look at their application and go to that link and see the child actually performing, dancing, playing a musical instrument, whatever. So That's awesome. I haven't seen that. That's amazing. Yeah, we I wrote an article for Transcript Makers blog about that. So um, anybody who's interested can also go to transcriptmaker.com and, and read some of the blog articles um, about portfolios. I think that's a great way to keep organized because your students can contribute to it also. It doesn't just have to be all on the parents. Right. Yeah. When when kids get into high school, it's really good to give them some of that ownership. One of the things I've run into as a very long time homeschooler is um, I've accumulated a lot of books. (laughs) And, you know, some of them are treasured friends and they are going to live here. So we had to figure out how are we going to organize these guys? One of the things I've done is over the years, I've stopped buying books, which was hard oh. to do because I just love books. Yes. But we've gone to, you know, digital as much as possible, digital cre- curriculums, you know, things like that, digital reading. We we just kind of tried to switch over and it's been so helpful, especially with a large family because it was, get, you know, getting out of control <laughs> <laughs> how much stuff we had to store. But it was also when I started doing that, it felt really good to be able to pass on a lot of our curriculum and books we collected to other homeschool families. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely a way to deal with all of that overload later on is I know a lot of uh, homeschool communities have uh, days where people share curriculum mm-hmm. with each other and things like that. And that's a great way to use your curriculum, but also get some room in your house. Yes. And I think that, you know, that's another thing that long-term homeschoolers run into is that they start with younger kids and then the kids grow up. And at some point, you may not need those materials. I thought I was at that point, and I sold my math, you see, and some other things. And then, oh, surprise, here we are homeschooling again, and I had to buy them all over again. So um, it is hard to part with materials, um, yes. you know, and if you're, if you think you're going to be in it for a long, long time, you just have to figure out you know, how are you going to organize these things? I have a library bookcase. I mean, it's like a seriously tall, six foot tall by five foot library bookcase. Yeah. And then I have bookcases in other rooms and and anybody who stays in my guest room gets to see books because I'm storing books in the guest room. We also have lots of bookshelves and I think that's a very common (laughs) homeschooling problem. Yeah. And mine aren't styled like, you know, home beautiful. They're (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they're just for housing books. And I have, I have, um, you know, my own organizational method, Uh, you know, one shelf is uh, science, and one shelf is history, and another is some uh, literature things. And Um, But only I really understand that organization. It's not the Dewey Decimal (laughs) System or anything like that. (laughs) 
we do a lot of game schooling. So we also have the same issue with games. Oh, yes. And they take up so much space. How do you organize your games? Do you keep them in the boxes or it's, do you take them out and put them in bags? We do. We keep them in the boxes and they're on bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really, the organization just is, you know, small games go here, large <laughs> games go here. Sure. But when you join some of the game schooling groups, uh, they have so many posts on how to organize. There's some really cool methods. I have for organizing seen them. Games. Like I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that also goes into how, what kind of materials you're using, right? Yes. That probably brings us to what do you mean by non-traditional organization or non-traditional homeschool organization? I'm really, I have been so curious to hear about this. So uh, we're unschoolers for the most part. So I don't, you know, plan out their week. We don't have set curriculum. Uh, There's generally not set lessons they're doing and things like that. Our schedules aren't set as much as traditional schooling. They have a lot of freedom. So the planning involved and the organization involved for that is, is a little bit different. So for example, for record keeping for unschooling, um, instead of, you know, having lesson plans and things like that, it, it involves observing your kids and basically note-taking or journaling if you want to, and in fact, a lot of unschoolers don't do record keeping at all, but if you want to, it's much more informal in that you just kind of watch your kids and watch their interest and see see what they're learning and teaching themselves each day. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to just journal that, like, this is what my kids did today. And in, in your journaling, you can say they did this and they learned math while they were doing this. Or, you know, you can point out the traditional subjects through that so that you can keep track of it in your mind. Or note-taking, even just on your phone, on your notes mm-hmm. app, if you're out and about doing something and you see something that your kids are learning that day through an activity, you can just, you know, take a note and have a file for your child in your notes that says this is what they learned today. Again, it's not necessary as an unschooler for everybody, but it is a way to do some record keeping so that later on, if you need more formal records like transcripts, you can look back and have some ideas of things that they did cover mm-hmm. along the way. So for our for our listeners who are just getting to know you, your uh Youngest daughter is uh, going to school studying in the medical field, right? Yes. Right. And so how did that work, this idea of journaling or observing and then, you know, transferring it into you've got a kid in college? How did that work for you? So for me, I'm not a big journaler. I'm a big more like note taker, list maker, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I would keep in my notebooks, I would have a page with, you know, her name on it and just write down things she was doing. And then I would update that. And usually I would at some point transfer that over to like a Google Doc or some other kind of document, Word document that I can get to later on. Mm -hmm. And it was more of like listing. It was very informal. It was listing like things she did. And then later on, as she got older in the high school ages, I separated those out into subjects, more traditional subjects. So I'd have like biology and they would just have a general list of things she had done that applied to biology. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was a lot of overlap between subjects on things that she did. And then when it was time to make an actual transcript, we would go back and look at those and and put it into more traditional terms for the purposes of a transcript, which is a little bit of work at the time that you have to do it. But, you know, your children aren't necessarily going to take that route either. So as an unschooler, you don't need to do all of that ahead of time. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, I used to um, tell people that 
you know, you just had to make things look understandable to the person who's going to read the transcript. So yes, when my oldest son was in high school, he wasn't he wasn't a sociable person. He wasn't really into sports. But the two things he did regularly was he played uh, frisbee disc golf, you know, disc golf, and he had a dog that he walked. So I gave him a PE credit for fitness walking because he walked yes. every day and he got a credit for uh, disc golfing. That whole idea is how all of unschooling is. That, mm-hmm. That's incorporates everything we do. That's how we do it. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a weird mix of traditional slash classic Charlotte Mason and <laughs> yeah. unschooling. Because, um, you know, like I said, we had gone up to a nearby town and decided to spend the time while the dog was getting groomed up there. And I knew there was a little park in the town. Well, when we got to the park, it turns out that it also had historical um, items in it. There were there was a log right. cabin and a little log, um, what must have been a stable. It was very small. Mm-hmm. And we first we couldn't figure it out. Then we started talking about Mom Pa Ingalls. And it had it also had historical marker that explained that there had been a battle um, in 1840 there. And then I said, oh, you know, uh, there's also a marker down where we live, four miles away from our house. And I knew it had to do with the same. There was a Comanche raid um, in 1840 here in Central Texas. And so on the way home, we stopped at the other historical marker. Well, none of that was actually yeah. anything we're doing right now, except that we are reading. It wasn't planned. It mm-hmm. wasn't planned. It was just real serendipitous, but we took advantage of it. And we've been right. reading the Little House series of books. And so we, we had talked about and read about Pa building this cabin and what all that was about right. and building the stable. So we got to see it. And so in my planner, I'll just make a note of what we saw and did. Right. You know, but but I also have exactly. copious notes on the things we're actually doing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we try to do. You know, but, we just try to. do But both. as an unschooler, what you would do with that is like my kids did history today. You just write mm-hmm. a quick little note: history. This is what we covered. You know, right? And you yeah. just do that. You just keep that ongoing. Another thing with unschooling organization, instead of uh, for my family, this is how we do it. Instead of planning and having plans, um, we do goals. So they're open ended. Uh, I think I've talked about this before, but I have like student meetings with my kids every year and we sit down and talk about short term goals, long term goals, weekly goals, you know, and and then that's what we keep in mind going forward. So there's no set plans, but they're working towards a goal and they do. We write those down and so that we can look back at them and see if you're still working towards this or if you want to change it and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think goals are definitely used in traditional schooling as well. I think it's just more a reframing of the way you're looking at planning uh, in general. Um, And in that, we also have schedules that allow for a great deal of freedom. So the schedules you talked about earlier, where you're scheduling out basically your your life things, not your schooling. Mm -hmm. For the most part, we don't schedule in schooling at all. Now, my kids are in a a co-op where they do some group classes with some friends. So that's obviously on our schedule because it's a set thing determined by a group of people. Mm -hmm. But other than that, we do not schedule schooling. So it happens more organically. It happens when the kids are, are ready to do it and want to do it, are able to do it. The actual scheduling, we may not have a schedule at all for the week, or we may just have, we're doing, you know, we're going to the park today. We're going to your class on this day and the rest of the time is open. Mm-hmm. So scheduling in a way that allows the most freedom for everybody mm-hmm. is one of our big things. Uh, and then as far as having a space where you homeschool, we kind of, I would say what you were saying where you are all over the house, mm-hmm. having a multi-purpose 
type of a space is really important for unschooling because as a parent with an unschooler, you're, you're responding to what they're interested in learning. So you pay attention to them. And then when they express an interest, you get things to feed that interest, right? Mm -hmm. So it might be you have books that are sitting around or supplies for the things they're interested in, but it's the access to them that's important. So you can't have it away on a a shelf where they're not going to see it. You need right. it laying around, right, um, which right. is a mess, but it's the way they learn organically with unschooling. Yeah, I have, um, I know a lot of people think when you say you're going to talk about organizing that you're going to have some Pinterest perfect, all the <laughs> bins match and everything's gorgeous, you know, but like I have an old Duncan Fife buffet in my living room and it has mm-hmm. these really lovely wide drawers and has these shelves and we have games in there. And we have um, my Prismacolor art pencils. So when we want to color, uh, draw something, we can just go in there. I'll be like, you know where the pencils are, go get them. And then also we know where to put them back, which I think is the thing. You know, organization isn't so you can, you, the mom, the homeschool parent, whatever, can be in charge of all that. You make a place where things live and you part of organization right. is you help your family learn how to <laughs> right and the purpose that. is to reduce stress for everyone right so if if everyone can participate that helps yeah nothing's more stressful than losing valuable time because you're you're searching for something that you know and i will tell you i did this to myself so um don't don't y'all think that because i've been homeschooling forever i bought a prismacolor pencil sharpener because i heard that was the best pencil sharpener you could use for these expensive pencils. And I looked for it and looked for it, no joke, for months. Well, the problem was that I have three Prismacolor pencil tins and I had put it in the largest tin. But in the look, looking <laughs> for it, I knew what the, the pencil sharpener looked like, but it was in a tin with a lid on it. So when I finally found it, I was so elated. <laughs> and I had to tell everybody how I'd hidden my pencil sharpener from myself. Um, so make sure... <laughs> If you put something in a sensible place, i.e. the pencil sharpener with the pencils, maybe you have a little sticky note that says pencil sharpener (laughs) is in this tin. (laughs) Okay, so. I think uh, the biggest thing I think is that there's not a right or wrong answer to how you organize your homeschool, but there's a lot of people with experience. So if there's a particular thing you're having a problem with, you know, figuring out how to organize or how to make it run more smoothly, just start talking to people, talk to different families and see how they did it. And you'll, you'll just, you'll get a lot of great ideas through right. that. And, and not to open a, a new kettle of fish, but you know, a lot of that goes into your personality. And if you're visual yes. or if you're, you know, if your person has to see things to know you own them, that's going to make a difference in your organization. Right. And then you have to take into account what your kids' personalities are, <laughs> yeah. too, so to make it work. Right. Everybody you know? <laughs> kind of has to be involved in that to a point. Oh, uh, It's been so much fun talking about getting organized. I love organization, and I like I, I like a tidy house. I'm just going to say, so I used to work with Smoothing the Way, which is a mentoring organization for new homeschoolers. And we would go and talk to different groups, and we would be at different homeschool book fairs and conventions. And inevitably, um, Mary James, who created Smoothing the Way, she would tell the new homeschoolers, you know, just be aware, like homeschooling, your house may be a little messier. And I would always be the one to raise my hand and say, if you're like I am, it doesn't doesn't have have to to be that way. (laughs) 
And more than one time, somebody would come up to me and say, I'm so glad you said that because I thought if I have to have a messy house to homeschool, I just can't homeschool. So I thrive in the mess. Yeah, I, I get a little I get a little cranky if things are too out of order, but I like my things accessible and I don't like my home to be yes. a non welcoming place. So I strive for a balance, you know, because if I can't find my things and or stuff's all over the place, I just can't concentrate. So whatever works for you, that's the best organizational method. Right. You just have to figure out Absolutely. what it is. <laughs> Here at the end of our podcast, we sometimes visit the reading nook where we discuss the books on our minds and our bedside tables. What have you been reading, Holly? Well, you know, it's interesting uh, that we're in the reading nook today because I was very stressed out with myself for not doing more reading. And then a light bulb came on in my head. Because of the curriculum that I use with my son, we do Ambleside Online. I'm actually reading a ton of books. Some are fiction. And some are nonfiction, but I wasn't giving myself credit for the reading I was doing with him. So right now we're reading, I'm just going to run through some of the titles and people are going to be laughing. Okay. We're reading On the Banks of Plum Creek. We're reading Bullfinch's Greek and Roman Mythology. We're reading a biography of Abigail Adams. We're reading Kidnapped uh, by Robert Louis Stevenson. And we're reading Robinson Crusoe. Uh, We are reading a book about... Uh, Benjamin Franklin called Poor Richard. We're reading George Washington's World. This is so We're reading much. Shakespeare. <laughs> we're reading Emily Dickinson's Poetry. And we're reading a book called Answering the Cry for Freedom. And we're reading uh, Men of the Mississippi by Holling C. Holling. That's so amazing. yeah, I think I'm doing okay on reading. <laughs> You're doing great. And I'm sure that you didn't haven't already read all of those before. So I'm sure some of it is new reading for you and you're learning while Indeed. you read it. Yes. Yeah, so of all of those, I've yeah. read uh, On the Banks of Plum Creek uh, many times because I'm a real fan of children's literature. So for myself, I just read mm-hmm. series. I love children's literature yeah. too. And I read George Washington's World and I've read Emily Dickinson quite a bit, but but yes. um, a lot of this is new reading. Um, I did read some Shakespeare, the same Shakespeare book. I'm reading Lamb's Shakespeare for Children. Um, and I read that with my other yeah. kids. I think a lot of home educators probably feel the way I do or I did thinking. I think that's true because you don't think you have time. You're not fitting it in for yourself. Right. So you're not. Yeah, yeah. I'm just missing a trashy novel. But <laughs> <laughs> If anybody wants to give me some recommendations, I'm all ears. <laughs> uh, what are you reading? You have anything going? That well, I'm in uh, two book clubs. One of them is an adult book club that you know I meet with some moms every month, and we this month are reading The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh, um, by Rebecca Sloot. I'm very awesome. familiar it's... with that. That's such a fascinating thing that happened. Have you read it? No. Um. I've read about it. I've read a lot of uh, scholarly articles about what happened, but not yes. that book. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And there's so many facets to it. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want my kids to read it because I'd like to talk to them about it too. And then for my uh, teenager book club, I, I run a book club for teens. And this year we're doing all true crime related books, which has been so much mm. fun. Um, and we are reading The Midnight Assassin by Skip Hollinsworth. And it's about the very first serial killer that was known in the United States. And it was in Austin. Oh, so it takes place where you know, where we live. Uh, and it's, it's really a history of Austin in the 1880s. Uh, and 
that part of it has been so hmm. fascinating. And it's really a history of the town before it started to grow. And then as it grew and during the time, I mean, it talks about all of that. But during that, there's also these murders happening. And so it discusses, you know, the investigation of the murders. And and there's some speculation that the serial killer may have also been Jack the Ripper. Wow. <laughs> with a lot of people. So it's really huh. interesting. So then the kids are into it. And then we go and have a discussion at the end of the month. And I really enjoy How that. Cool. I was just telling my husband today that I miss being in school. I was in college in 2014 when my youngest son was two. Um, like that seemed like crazy timing, but it was good for me. And I told my husband today, I said, you know, I really miss my English lit classes where we'd read and talk yeah. about characters. And I was an English major and that was my most favorite thing to do. I love discussing oh. books. And I think it's such a great skill for as, as homeschoolers to be teaching our kids too. And I've been doing a teen book club for probably six years now because the ability to just to talk about what you're reading, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or news articles or whatever it is, is such an important skill. If you have any questions, comments, or book recommendations, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. You can check out our Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod and head to our Facebook page and join our group at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Holly. And I'm Jennifer. Happy, Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly Williams-Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us.